My oh my, it was an exciting night last night at the combo. Ohio came out on top. They were hosting Northern Illinois. Or no, Western Michigan. <laughs> I was at the game and I still messed up. All right, 77 to 68, the win. And Dwight Wilson the third uh, delivers once again. You're right. It's uh, Northern Illinois. Is it Northern Illinois? Yesterday, men's I basketball. I don't know what I'm. I've got something mixed up in my notes here. But anyway, um, yeah, exciting game. Nice crowd. Um, boy, the the. Uh, Convocation Center, they know how to do it right. All right, so let's see. Uh, a little bit about to Dwight, though. Over the last few games, Ohio has shown off its depth in an area that has improved over the course of the season. In its win over Buffalo and Central Michigan, Ohio had five players score in double figures each time, and it wasn't the same five in each game. On Tuesday against Northern Illinois, Ohio's depth didn't show up in the same way as only three players were in double figures and the bench contributed just 10 points. So Ohio went back to the tactic that it's been all too familiar this season, getting the ball to Dwight Wilson III and getting out of his way. Let's see here. Wilson, um, after the game, said, We have so many weapons, so you never know who's going to get it going. And it was uh, looking like one of those nights where I told myself, You're going to have to carry, and, and the other guys will follow suit. Well, Dwight did exactly that, putting up 24 points and 10 rebounds, five of them offensive. Um on the 11 of 19 shooting in 29 minutes. And finally, Tuesday was the highest scoring game since he dropped a career-high 31 points on Western Michigan, a game that bore many similarities to Tuesday's last night's 77-68 win. Way to go, Dwight. All right. Well, um, it was an exciting game, as I said. And uh, Nanette from our staff was there, too, sitting courtside. She had a great seat. And I've had my seats for 40 years or so. I like it where I sit. Years ago, they called it the president's box. But um, I think that... that that uh, term or expression or designation has faded away over the years. All right, well, good morning. You know, it brings up, though, a topic that I've been kind of concerned about. And I don't know if concerned is the right word. But sports gambling. It has opened up in Ohio just recently there have been other states that have been doing it for a while and um, you know I I'm not a gambler per se 
I can tell you one story in my life about gambling. And it was probably in the um, 80s. I was out in Las Vegas for the National Association of Broadcasters annual convention. I had been there five days. I was. This was the final day, and I was about to catch a plane. I had four hours to kill. So I walked around the casino and watched a woman who was playing on a slot machine where you put in coins and then pull the handle, right? And I just watched the machine and, it, and how she loaded it and so on. And so I sat down next to her at another machine that wasn't being used and started um, putting in some silver dollars. And I did get the feel of the machine. I swear I did. And um, coins would drop, you know, into the uh, little catching um, thing <coughs> and make quite a racket and so on. And finally, uh, at one point, um, the lights on the machine started flashing and a bell was ringing and stuff like that, but no coins were dropping. Huh. So I saw an attendant, and I called her over, and I said, "Is something wrong here?" And she, all she did was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bump the side of the machine, <laughs> and all these coins started flowing down into the, um, again, that holder that catches them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a big win. So I. Um, I was excited, and I pulled the thing another couple times, but then I looked at my watch and realized I only had 30 minutes to get to my flight. <laughs> so I was behind schedule. So I grabbed them all up, went over to the place where he cashed them in, and uh, they counted them all and gave me cash, right? Yeah. And I ran out, grabbed a cab, got to the airport, and running behind, carrying all my luggage and everything, paid the cabbie, and later I realized when I finally settled down on my seat in the plane, I had given him $200 tip. <laughs> I bet he loved that. I bet he needed it. But that's my one and only gambling story. I'm not, see, I, I'm a bit the opposite. I did go to Las Vegas, and I couldn't, figure any of it out i didn't really enjoy gambling um but i do like the betting i i will say i've i've done the the fan duel I, on the super bowl and the Bengals game and that was fun um but you know i never really put too much money in 15 dollars at most yeah, yeah and and don't take it all too seriously i have some friends that are pretty into it and uh <laughs> i just it's not that serious to me i just basically uh, i like to do things i understand better yeah yeah and i'm not very confident about doing things i don't i think it helps me understand the sport i've never been a sports person but lately i've been trying to be and so when you got a little bit of money on a game it, it helps me focus <laughs> i i guess so 
Anyway, um, gambling helplines here in Ohio. This is important information to give out. In the first month of legal sports betting allowed in Ohio, the calls have doubled. Calls to the statewide problem gambling hotline during the first month of legalized sports betting here more than doubled over what had been the norm ahead of January 1st launch of sports wagering. That's according to data released this week by the Ohio Casino Control Commission. There was an average of about 48 calls per day in January. That's up 20 a day in December. Wow. And more than triple the 15 calls a day in January last year. Full details on the amount wagered have not yet been released, but what is known is that a lot of Ohioans took, um, at least took a look at their options. It would appear that at least two and a quarter million unique accounts were established using gambling apps in Ohio. That's according to cell phone data from GeoComply. It is crazy now to have the whole thing just at your fingertips. It, it makes it a lot easier, I'm sure, to fall into it. The Ohio Lottery Commission reported earlier that $850,000 in bets were placed at 772 kiosks. But details for the amount wagered at the big sports books, casinos, and racinos, plus their online apps, is not available yet. It'll come later. As far as the increase in people calling for help to stop gambling, well, frankly, that was expected. Based on the experience of other states that added sports betting ahead of Ohio, and um, so, uh, Michael Buzelli. Can, can I give out the uh, helpline number real quick? Sure. It's 800-589-9966. Or if you were, you know, know somebody or you need help, you know, you can always call that number. Do it one more time. It is 800-589-9966. All righty. So, um, let's see, I lost my place. Um, oh, Buzelli. He's the um, Associate Director of Problem Gambling Network here in Ohio. This is a quote. We knew it was going to happen. We anticipated it because the other states had had legalized and operated sports betting. Uh, they saw this happen, too. Naturally. So they fielded 1,500 calls in January alone. They're on their helpline. Um, let's see. One concern he raised about sports betting compared to traditional casino gambling is that it is everywhere. Not only are potential gamblers bombarded with advertising that often touts risk-free promotions, but placing bets is easier and more convenient than ever before. From kiosks and bars and grocery stores to mobile apps on phones. 
It sounds cliche, but it's at our fingertips. And it's also just rapid play. So. And when you don't have to like physically see the money that you're putting in, it's, it's almost, it doesn't feel real and it's crazy. What about the demographics? Uh, he has said that the, uh, the group that is uh, the largest jump occurred in the 18 to 34-year-old age group. Mm. Now, you know, I don't know how you do it with an app on your phone, but as I recall, at least years ago, if you went to a casino, you couldn't be gambling if you weren't 21 or older. But maybe that rule has laxed over the years. I've always thought it was 18. Maybe it was. I'd find it should be 21. Uh, Let me look that up real quick. Anyway, that's a a concern here, is how will Ohio and other places... It is 18 in Ohio, and it looks like in most places i'm not really sure when that happened though because i feel like growing up i remember it being 21 too perhaps because of all the alcohol at a casino one more time if um, there's a gambling trouble that number is 800-589-9966 thank you liz you're welcome Well, let's do our normal things on this day in history. And the date, of course, is February 22nd. And, of course, the year is 2023. 43 degrees outside right at this moment. Mostly cloudy, but... It's going to be so nice out today. I think it is. Um, Let me tell my caller to call back. Um, Not when I'm on the air. All right. Um, Let's see. I had a thought a moment ago. Oh, yes. Uh, So, 43 right now, but we're headed up to 72. And 75 tomorrow. They say tomorrow's going to be a sunny day. So, um, enjoy it while you can, folks. Mm -hmm. All right. Historical events in the year 303. A long time ago, the first official Roman edict for persecution of Christians is issued by Emperor Diocletian. Diocletian, I think I said it right. And um, that happened at Nicomedia. Ordering all churches to be closed in scriptures burnt. The year 303. Now we jump quite a ways ahead to the year 1632 when Galileo's book, The Dialogue Concerning the Two Chief World Systems, is published comparing the um, Copernican and Platonic let me spell this for you. So, Copernican is C-O-P-E-R-N-I-C-A-N. And the other system is Ptolemaic, uh, I'll spell it, P 
P-T-O-L-E-M-A-I-C. Comparing those two systems and whether the Earth orbits the Sun. 1632, Galileo. All right, we jump uh, another hundred plus years to uh, the year 1774 when the British House of Lords rules authors do not have perpetual copyright. Hmm. Uh, perpetual copyright. I'm just curious, does that still exist in any fashion? Or does it have to be renewed on certain <clears throat> after a certain period, or what? Um, perpetual copyright, in the former sense, is highly uncommon, as the current laws of all countries with copyright statutes uh, set a standard limit on the duration. Okay. So evidently that policy of, of having to renew copyrighted material, uh, the first real official ruling that it's, it, they couldn't have perpetual occurred in 1774 in Britain. 1797, the last invasion of Britain was launched by the French during the Revolutionary Wars. And it's that particular um, invasion begins near Fishguard in Wales. Have you ever done a DNA test? No, I haven't. I'm adopted too, so it'd be no, really I, interesting. I'm adopted. Yeah, we've talked about this before. I don't. I don't remember this. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm uh, out of Texas somewhere. Well, my um, my DNA. Traces back to Wales and Ireland. Yeah. And um, in, in that sort of area. Now, my birth parents lived in Jackson, Ohio. Oh, how about that? Yeah. What are the odds of that? And, um, well, anyway. Um, and I think my parents received me something like at four or five days of age yeah i was also very very young yeah somewhere along those lines well fred and miriam palmer are my parents no doubt about it okay now um now why did i bring this up um you asked me if i had ever taken a dna test oh yes yeah, okay, because we talked about Fishguard whales, and it reminded me of my, my um, lineage, I guess you'd say. So let's move on to the next event. In 1825, Russia and Britain established Alaska-Canada boundary. I'm sure it fluctuated a little bit as it was being set, but um, that's when it was done. 1967. 25,000 U.S. and South Vietnamese troops launch Operation Junction City against the Viet Cong. This was the largest U.S. airborne assault since World War II. 
Okay, let's do some um, famous birthdays. Um, oh, this is a pretty lady. Drew Barrymore. Celebrating her 48th birthday today. Now, I have seen her in things, but I can't remember what the names were or anything like that. Uh, help us out. Drew Barrymore. Let's see. Drew Barrymore was in Charlie's Angels. Yep. She had a show, the Drew Barrymore show. I don't remember that. She was uh, in E.T. as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, she was in Scream. That was, she was in Donnie Darko, The Wedding Singer. Um, what's other ones? I would... Batman Forever, 1995. That's well, a she was um, she was born on this date. She's celebrating a birthday today. It's her 48th birthday. Okay, now <clears throat> this next name is not familiar to me. Uh, he's wearing a military uniform of sorts. Jean J E A N hyphen Bedell or Bedell. B-E-D-E-L. Last name is Bacusa. B-O-K-A-S-S-A. -S -S now, he was uh, born in 1921 on this date, but died in 1996. Now, where did he come from? Also known as Bacosa I, he was in Central African political and military leader who served as the second president of Central African Republic. Fair enough. All right, two more. Now this this next one we we've not heard of. Um, it's a very strange name. It's uh, George Washington. Oh yeah, <laughs> that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Born on this date in 1732, he lived until 1799. George Washington, many call him, what, the, f the founder of our country, that yeah. sort of thing. And the last one, much more modern, Steve Irwin. Um, I think he was an actor, maybe. Steve Irwin was a um, biologist. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the crocodile hunter guy. Oh, oh, oh. That was the first time I cried when a celebrity died. I was on the school bus on the way to school, and I made the school bus turn around because I was obsessed with that man. Well, Steve Irwin was born on this date in 1962, but he died in 2006. So yeah. some people are doing some math about your age right now. I would have been seven years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I watched him every night, every morning. He was my hero. Two famous deaths to mention. Amerigo Vespucci. I'll just help you out. V E S. <laughs> I was waiting for it. V-E-S-P-U-C-C-I. Amerigo Vespucci. Pucci. Pucci. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now he um, was born in 1454, but he died on this date in 1512. And um, there's a, um, I'll, I'll call it a painting of him here. 
and it looks really old. <laughs> so, Vespucci. Yeah, he was a uh, an Italian merchant, explorer, and navigator from the Republic. Re, excuse me, the Republic of Florence, um, from whose name was the term America. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, do we have explorers anymore? Oh, of course. Hmm. Um, I've mentioned this probably a number of times on this show, but one of my buddies in high school, his father was an explorer for sure in Antarctica. Wow. Oh, yeah, you know. And um, his... Um, Goldthwaite was the last name, Dr. Goldthwaite. And he was a professor at Ohio State. All right. Um, the the uh, second and last um, famous death we have to share with you today is that of Andy Warhol. Oh. And um, Andy was born in 1928, but he died on this date in 1987. And um, I know I should know more about him than I do or than I can recall at the moment, so I'm really anxious to hear Andy it from Warhol you. Andy Warhol was a pop artist um, and in his own way kind of controversial as well. He was an artist who almost never touched his own artwork. Uh, he kind of, he'd make a print and then he'd have his workshop filled with, you know, 100 plus workers do the rest. And uh, kind of, I mean, he, he did. He made his own, his own genre, just reproducing icons so repetitively that they, they don't really mean anything anymore, uh, which was the controversial part, I guess. I, I mean, he's well, a neat, neat guy. Uh, but I've, I've known one or two people who have been proud to own one of his works and have it in their home. Yeah. And uh, so even though um, he may not have personally done every aspect of the art. Still his art. Yeah. Still got his name on it. I went and saw some of his stuff uh, in Canton, Ohio. That was really cool. Alongside some Where was pairings. he from? Can you find out? Let me see. He was, does it say in his Wikipedia? Pittsburgh. How about that? How about that? Where my son-in-law Dan's from. All right. <clears throat> Let's see here. Let's turn our attention to some of the hard news. Um, stories we need to know, if you will. Putin suspends the nuke treaty. That's right. Russian President Vladimir Putin said yesterday he would suspend Russia's participation in the new Strategic Arm Reductions Treaty in place with the U.S. since 2011. Now, that made the news quickly yesterday. But uh, shortly afterwards, Russian officials later clarified they would still respect current treaty limits on long-range nuclear arsenals. Well, the New START Treaty 
caps the number of long-range nuclear weapons Russia and U.S. can deploy. It also allows each side to inspect the other's strategic nuclear sites up to 18 times per year and with very short notice. Analysts notice the suspension is not technically a withdrawal from the treaty, but makes compliance more difficult to determine. Putin also indicated Russia would be ready to restart nuclear weapons tests if the U.S. does, which is basically a practice mostly banned since the 1960s. Well, later, yesterday, U.S. President Joe Biden gave a speech in Poland a day after his surprise visit to Kiev, the Ukraine's capital. And um, that's really all I have on that. Um, this mess up in East Palestine, Ohio. the Ohio derailment cleanup. The U.S. EPA yesterday ordered the rail company, which is Norfolk Southern, to clean up the contamination from that train wreck. Now this move comes more than two weeks after emergency crews carried out a controlled burn of the leaked chemicals on the train releasing toxin hydrogen chloride and uh, phosgene gas over the area. Under what's com commonly known as the Superfund Law, the EPA directed Norfolk Southern to follow an approved remediation plan, which includes attending public meetings, sharing information publicly, and paying for cleaning services offered to be um, to to both residents and businesses. Now, if Norfolk Southern fails to comply, the EPA warned it would perform the work itself and seek triple damages. So, say the EPA spends a billion bucks on it, well, they're going to bill then Norfolk Southern three billion bucks for it. So that's, um, that's a, an incentive, you might say, for Norfolk Southern to not ignore their request. Let's see here, more, more facts. About 8.3 million pounds of contaminated soil and 1.1 million gallons of contaminated water have been removed so far. Separately, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg announced a package of reforms and said his department would begin inspecting train routes used to transport hazardous materials. I'm sorry. I, I'm glad they're doing it. But doesn't it also make you say, why haven't they been doing it all along? It absolutely does. All right. 
in another story, a four-day work week study. Yeah, I've been I've been looking into this one a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Don't look into it too much. <laughs> I figure I'm opted I'm opted out as a broadcaster. We're a yes, you know our business. We're basically 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, 366 for leap year, that sort of thing. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And. Um, but I do believe that people, um, you know, are generally overworked. I kind of hit a jackpot with a, a fun job, you know, that I, I get to learn every you day. You bet. You bet. And we, if you're in this business, you do take seriously the need to spread information, mm-hmm. needed information, useful information, even um light and humorous information because you know we want to put a smile on your face once in a while and not just a frown yeah all right let's get into this results released yesterday show a recent four-day work week trial in the united kingdom had 56 of 61 participating companies continuing with the policy So they tried it, and it worked well enough in those in those situations that um, I don't know what the percentage is, but it looks like ninety percent of them are planned to continue. That's really cool. The study, conducted from June to December of last year, included twenty nine hundred employees from a range of industries with the average work week around 32 hours and compensation kept the same. Yeah. So, um, let's see here. How do I do the math? Anyway, it was like a pay raise with, uh, they got the same pay, but they had to work less hours. Anyway, let's move on. The results showed 71% of employees reported less burnout. 39% reported less stress. And 60% better work-life balance. Fewer workers quit or took sick days compared to the same period the previous year. Among the 23 companies that shared sales numbers, the average revenue grew 1.4% during the trial. Well, in the U.S., legislators in Maryland this week proposed a five-year, four-day workweek pilot program in exchange for tax credits for participating businesses. So, um, I guess it's being looked through carefully. All right. Let's see here. Oh, what's this about Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr? Oh. Did you hear about this? No. As I understand it, the two are currently... recording music together for a new Rolling Stones studio album. Wow, that's so exciting. 
Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. Wow. Okay. Who would have ever thunk it? Thunk it. Um. <laughs> okay. Just looking at a couple of these stories to see if there's any others here I should share right now. There was a, um, uh, you know, all shootings are fatal, but there was a shooting on Fat Tuesday in New Orleans during the big parade. Of course. And it's just so it is sad. so sad, yes. Unfortunately, it was only one person, but one person is obviously too many. Well, this is a new, uh, Mardi Gras period, folks. It started yesterday with Fat Tuesday. It's a three-day event. Lent, uh, or um, Ash Wednesday is today, yeah? Yes. How about that? Do you participate? I don't know your... Um, Ash Wednesday. Let's, let's make sure people understand exactly what that um, what that's all about. Yes. Um, oh, my phone's going to act up here, of course. That's all right. So what is the purpose of Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday is a solemn reminder of human morality and the need of reconciliation with God and Marks. Marks of the beginning of the penitential lantern season? Pen I can't help. Hey, let me let me get my 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 phone to read that. Penitential. Penitential. Okay. Well, um, Lenten season. I know there is. Uh, I, I've received emails from two particular uh, eating spots in town that they're doing Mardi Gras uh, menus. Oh. And I'm hoping to take one of them in tomorrow night. That sounds nice. Yeah. All right. Um, are we talking Cajun or are we talking like duck? Well, I think Cajun. That'd be so good. Yeah. Okay, let's see. I'm looking here. I'm looking here. Make sure I haven't missed anything. Oh, here's an interesting thing. This is called etc. What is your state's official song? Oh. Okay, so we're in Ohio. We could, of course, talk about West Virginia or Kentucky or uh, Pennsylvania or Indiana, our neighboring states. But what is Ohio's state's official song? Um, I, like, couldn't even think of one if I wanted to. And we just, nothing shows up when you... Well, let me look into it. I wanted the guess first, though. Okay. Um, well, they have their... What's only coming up for me is their OSU song. Oh, no. I mean, of course, that's very popular, but... <clears throat> Okay. Well, um, here's another etc. Ranking the world's cities by average traffic time. And ranking U.S. states by property taxes. Like, who has the least, who has the most. 
If I'm not mistaken, I think Suzanne has told me that Florida has no property taxes. Interesting. And uh, here, I just got my property taxes in the mail a couple days ago from Rick Wasserman. And, um, you know, they're significant. Sure, yeah. I would I would think that Texas is uh, on the lower end because of their all their uh, farmland and stuff. You know, you got one cow per acre, tax free. Yeah. Well, um, but you know, even in Ohio, I think there's a, a different valuation for agricultural land than there is. A residential property. Yeah, that would be uh, for certain. I'm not quite sure if it's as lenient as Texas is. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, let's see here. Japan startup unveils space viewing balloon tours. Oh. I hope we don't shoot them down. <laughs> you know? Another one, unopened original iPhone from 2007. I saw this. Sells for $63,000. Now, here's a phone, brand new in the box, un- unsealed, or un- no, sealed up, uh-huh. unopened, that someone found from 2007, an iPhone. And someone bought it for $63,000. It's not even, like, vintage yet. (laughs) Uh, Well, perhaps in that kind of stuff it is. It's so bizarre, though. You know, I still have my flip phone from middle school. Does that... Can I sell that? I don't know. But I've got my old bag phone, (laughs) you know, and and, uh, my old brick phone. Sure, yeah. Uh, they're somewhere in the building. Um, yeah. I got my first cell phone, folks. Not here in Athens, but back during the period when we owned WRAP in Norfolk, Virginia, which was our nation's first black radio station. And I, uh, the day I walked into the office and... They showed me where my office. I'm the day I walked into the building, and the, the staff showed me where my office was and everything. Joe Weatherby. Joe Weatherby was our chief engineer. And a few minutes later, he came and sat this thing down on the desk, and he says, "Here's your phone." <laughs> I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "Well, this is your car phone." And I was kind of impressed. Yeah, sure. Having not had one before. Car phone, that's neat. All right, what else do we have here? A teen's blunder on the Wheel of Fortune TV show costs her a trip to Antigua. I wonder how they go about making that right. Um, well, anyway, so just some et cetera type comments that you can look up if you feel so inclined. 
It's 9.55. We haven't even touched the hard news yet, or not very much of it. Um, the president's economic team turns over, and uh, we look, we meaning the New York Times, at its successes and failures over the first two years. Brian Deese, the top advisor in the West Wing, left his job this week, and Cecilia Rouse, the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, will soon return to her faculty post, which is at Princeton. So, um, the writer of this story, and who is it today? D David Leonhardt again. Uh, I want to use this transition to think about Biden's biggest economic successes and failures so far, as well as some big uncertainties. As part of that exercise, I sat down with Deese to conduct an exit interview, and you'll read quotes from it below. The interest in accountability. Let's start with what I see as the administration's biggest disappointments. Two failures. One, inflation. After decades of low inflation, we don't have that in anymore. Another is um, what they call the care economy. Um, the president came into office calling for universal pre-K paid family leave and an explanation of elder care, but he could not rally enough congressional support, support despite the policy's popularity in the polls. So the failure seems to stem partly from the administration's lack of focus on the so-called care economy. It was one item on a long list of Biden's priorities. Well, successes, the COVID recovery. Uh, that, that they are, forgive my phone again, that they say um, really was, uh, even though it took a while, successful. Um, let's see, investment. Uh, there was increased investments made by people. And third, and this is a little bit odd, is climate. Um, you know, clean energy, for one thing. So, I, I don't know. We... I'm out of time, but if you'd like to read a, a greater um, detail, more detail on this, the New York Times, The Morning Report. We have about 40 seconds remaining. Uh, Liz, your plans today? You're going to go over to FM, do your show, right? Yeah, and then later I'm going to drive a pickup truck for the first time. Really? I'm picking up a, an old jukebox that's been gutted out. I'm going to make it into a... A cat bed or something. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'll keep you updated on it. Uh, maybe we could bring it back to life. 
you could. It, it's been gutted from the inside out. There's nothing in it. But no, the lights. No electronics at all. The lights work. Okay. Well, that should be an interesting decoration. Yeah, I'm excited. Folks, we are out of time. Have a marvelous day. Stay safe, and we'll see you again tomorrow, okay? In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. Is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by General Steel. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. 